Good morning and welcome to the original Loretta Brown Show radio to open the heart, heal the soul, and awaken the consciousness. Here we are. We are getting close to the end of October. Well, I guess we're not there yet, are we? We're almost there. We're about a week, a little over a week away. I'm just looking forward to that blue moon, you know, on Halloween. Yes, so. there was an amazing crescent moon yesterday, though, too. The boys, my boys, yeah, we were uh, running around town last night, and it was beautiful. So it's on the way. Harvest blue moon, you said? Blue moon, yeah? Yeah, the blue moon. Mm. Uh, the blue moon is the second full moon in any given month, and we have one this month. Ooh, bookend by full moon. <laughs> so we got powerful energies going on. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> you know, I got that weird sense of humor and, you know, we used to watch those really old, um, uh, silly, um, horror movies, you know, where people turned into werewolves, you know, under yeah. the full moon and the, and the, it wasn't, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't computer graphics. It was pretty bad. Right. <laughs> and so I, I've been feeling like I've sort of been that way, kind of a little werewolfy, all werewolf, you know, <laughs> Say that three times fast. <laughs> anyway, good morning, everybody. I hope that you're uh, waking up and having your uh, a good morning. Let's put it that way. I am the owner of Reiki Oasis, located right here in the greater Seattle area for the last 26 years. I am still up and running and doing most things through Zoom and uh, FaceTime and, and all that kind of thing. But you can uh, find out more about me at ReikiOasis.com every Sunday at 11 a.m. You have the opportunity to do a Sunday meditation with Loretta. And it's really it's really just so that you get to step into what I call my oasis and um, kind of just exhale. You know, there's a lot going on out there. And if you can uh, reach out to either, you know, my meditation or somebody else's or even your own practice, I really highly recommend it. Um, the Sunday meditation and all classes, you can find them at schedule.reikioasis.com. And then the day after tomorrow, which is Saturday, I do have my monthly class for women called Temple of the Divine Feminine. We're actually in the nine nights of what's called Navratri. And it's a beautiful time to recognize um, the feminine, the divine feminine for nine days. And so we will actually be in the eighth day of Navratri on Saturday. So we're going to do a little bit of something, something, something with that. It's a, it's a good support group. And uh, like I say, you can sign up for everything at schedule.reikioasis.com. And thank you to all my patrons. We are a listener supported show. And from my heart to yours, and I truly mean this, um, so much gratitude for your support of this show because it brings you, of course, some help in times of need. I'm only going to say like three things about astrology for my sky watchers because I want to bring my guest on. We've got a lot to talk about today. Today is October 22nd and we leave the air sign of Libra and enter into the watery sign of Scorpio. Oh, oh, I know. My my guest is like, oh, you know, what's, what's really interesting, Philip, and I'll properly introduce you in a moment. But before the show started, we were talking about how Seattle is sort of ruled by that energy of Scorpio, which can be, a, 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 it's an energy of transformation. And it 
it's sort of like shedding a skin. Scorpio's ruling planet is Pluto, the planet of transformation and alchemy and the dark night of the soul, which is the great path of initiation that I think we're all on. So it's during Scorpio season that all of us, no matter our sign, are able to tune into the powers of transformation that live within us. And we all have the power to transform our lives and ourselves at any given moment. But under the power of the Scorpio sun, we are guided and supported even more. So everybody knows 2020 <laughs> has been a bit uh, interesting, shall we say. And uh, it's likely we're gonna see more transformations unfolding as we move through th this season. And also as we head out um, toward the blue moon in Taurus, which will be on Halloween. And as we go through the rest of the year, and I will give a much more lengthy um, astro check-in uh, later on. But uh, just just a, a little little uh, side note, we have Mercury retrograde right now, and Mars is retrograde. And when planets are retrograde, they don't actually go backwards; they just look like they're going backwards in the sky. It's a time to revisit things, and we have this. Mercury, the planet of communication, going retrograde all the way up till November 3rd, which is election day in the United States. So this is going to be, a, a, and you've already seen it, it's a lot of revisiting of old communication, old patterns, and it's really asking us because it's got this powerful influence. It's saying the answers are inside you revisit them. When you look around yourself too much on the outside, trying to find the answers out there, it can be confusing because obviously everybody's got their own opinion. So as we're going through this next couple of weeks and also as we're preparing for massive astro events um, coming up through even through December 21st, um, keep yourself in that in that space. Find that, um, that space where you can be with your own self, catch your breath, and find your center, because I think it's, it's super important right now. So I can't think of a better segue. My guest today is Philip Goldberg. He's a public speaker, a workshop leader, a spiritual counselor, and he's author of his new book, Spiritual Practice for Crazy Times. That's appropriate powerful tools to cultivate calm, clarity, and ah, courage. Philip Goldberg has been studying the world's spiritual traditions for more than 45 years, and he's only 29, and he <laughs> is the author or co-author of some 25 books published in more than a dozen languages. His book, American Veda, was named by Huffington Post and Library Journal as one of the top 10 religion books of 2010. And it was followed in 2018 by the popular biography, The Life of Yogananda. He blogs on spirituality and health, and he co-hosts co the Spirit Matters podcast. And he's on the original Loretta Brown show today. Whoa. Look at that. Welcome <laughs> to the show, Phil. It's so good to have you. <laughs> Great to be with you. 
and thanks for uh, starting us off with all that astrological uh, update. Yeah, I um, I believe we're greater than the stars, but when there's a lot of influences right now, and you know, we're always trying to help people here, Phil. That's one of the reasons why I'm so excited to have you on my show. By the way, I want to start right out for you people on YouTube. Spiritual practice for crazy times. Here is Phil's book. And it's just, it's packed with, well, sorry, I always have little tabbies because I'm that girl uh, <laughs> that studies things. But um, it's packed with all kinds of things that could possibly help people right now. Um, Phil, I got to say, like this book couldn't have come out at a more appropriate <laughs> time. Yeah, everybody's uh, praising me for my fabulous timing. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I wish it weren't <laughs> so, but um, in truth, you know, I wrote the book last year, uh, started it last spring, 2019, finished it in the winter, went to India, came back and the pandemic hit. And we, we just, you know, knew that, well, I wrote the book last year because times were crazy then. And people were people were worried and people were angry and people were overwhelmed and people were confused and people were neglecting their their inner life and their spiritual practices. So I, I felt the need to to write the book and no one, of course, could have possibly have anticipated uh, we'd be in the middle of even you know, un unsurpassingly crazy times. We knew it would be crazier when the book came out because we'd be leading up to the election. But, but, <laughs> well, the, yeah, pan that. <laughs> but the pandemic was just, yeah. uh, but it just makes the book, I, I'd like to take credit for the timing, but man, maybe I was tuned into something. But um, one of the things that I say in the book uh, is that times can be crazy for any of us at any time. So I yeah. drew on, uh, you know, it's a very practical book. It's there to help people uh, at any time, but especially when life is difficult and there's turmoil. And um, that can happen to any of us at any time. And so I, I chose perennial practices, perennial insights from all the world's traditions, but mostly from the traditions that came to us from India. Uh, and, um, you know, whenever, uh, whatever you're going through, whatever's happening, there's something in there that'll help you. I am. Um, I like what you said. I, you know, I think it's easy to get caught up in the world stage, right? And, and kind of get caught in that swirl because it's a big swirl and, Somebody told me the other day, where can I go, Loretta? There's no place to hide. I go, well, yeah, that's part of the evolution of consciousness right now, right? But it's also personal. It's a personal thing that we're going through. And you're absolutely right. We, you know, we could be in a time of crazy anytime and our own type of crazy within that crazy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So your, your book, and I, I do want to point this out to people because, you know, I'm always so excited to have help for people, spiritual help, spiritual practice for crazy times. And then the subtitle is powerful tools to cultivate calm, clarity, and courage. And 
these are practical tools. These are things that are approachable by anybody. Yeah. You know, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to ask you this question. You know, normally, I, I don't know if I can say normally, maybe, maybe this goes into the middle of what we just said. <clears throat> you know, I myself have my own spiritual practice and I'm, I know you do. You're, you're yeah. been meditating for years, which we'll touch on in a minute, but is it, is it just, is, is everybody having trouble right now during the crazy times? Is everyone falling out of their practices? No, okay. I, I know a lot of people uh, who are actually uh, blessed enough to not be uh, worried about or, or inflicted by COVID or other health issues who have enough resources to be sustainable during the, the lockdown and um, uh, even doing quite well and who are using the time uh, of relative isolation and seclusion almost like a, a spiritual retreat right. so, and, and who have uh, taken the opportunity to uh, do more practice to go within on a more sustained level than they usually have time to do. So those people who are smart enough and uh, fortunate enough to have that opportunity, many of them are taking advantage of it to their credit. Um, on the other hand, a lot of other people, and one of the reasons I wrote the book, a lot of people um, who are less committed perhaps to their path or whose circumstances are more um, uh, turbulent uh, are, are finding it more difficult to sustain the regular practices they do. Or if they were irregular with their spiritual practice, they're now you know, even more so. And, and so um, I've been encouraging everybody that no matter what is going on, um, to take the time to go inward and uh, put yourself in touch with, bring your attention to what I call the uh, sanctuary of peace that we all have within us, uh, because that's your refuge, that's your cave, that's your temporary escape mechanism, place of healing, a pace of rejuvenation, and it's all within you. And you can, yes, when times are tough, you may need to, you know, take a little extra effort to carve out the time or to carve out the, a place in your home to do it in. But it's, it's an investment that pays off not only in more uh, sustained inner peace, and relief, but of healing, even on a physical level, these spiritual practices, meditation and mindfulness and yoga and prayer, whatever you're drawn to, that takes you deep within to your own source of inner peace. They also strengthen the immune system. They keep us healthy. They keep us clear. And I want to say this right up front. I know we'll go more into it later. They're not a luxury. They're not sort of, you know, something to think about, you know, oh, you know, one of these days. To me, they're as necessary as 
you know, eating properly and showering and brushing your teeth and getting exercise, they are maintenance. Spiritual practices sustain us and they're not a way of escaping the world except for that short period of time when you do them. They bring you back into the world better equipped to handle things. And, and that is a terribly important thing to keep in mind because people think, oh, no, I'm so busy or, you know, I'm engaged in such important work that I can't take the time. No, you'll work better. You'll do things better if you invest that time first. Yeah, wow. You said so many good things right there. It is a necessity to have that time for the self, the spiritual practice. I don't know who it was that said something about if you think you don't have enough time, you, you need to, you know, if you can't take three minutes, you need to take two hours or something like that. Right. Oh, it was, maybe you're thinking of, uh, I always quote Mahatma Gandhi in this context. You know, he was a pretty busy guy trying to lead a, a, a revolt against oppressive imperialist uh, occupiers. But he, um, he one morning looked at his calendar and said, oh, God, I have so much to do today. I'm going to have to start the day with two hours of meditation instead of one. Yes. And, and that he got that this was an investment of his time and that he would then come back out and have you know, more energy, more compassion, more uh, clarity of mind to do what he does even better. Um, when did you start meditating? Where, how did you, that come I, about? I'm, I'm about to give away my age. I, I started, oh, you're you're I, only 29, 29. I started. I started as an infant in 1968. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> when at a time we should note anybody who knows the history or is old enough to remember it, 1968 was possibly just as crazy as 2020, mm -hmm. with the exception of the uh, COVID situation. Although there was uh, a flu, go, you know, a, a serious virus going around, but it was not the what COVID is. But it was a crazy time, and in the midst of it, I was a crazy young man, and I, I found my way to the spiritual teachings of the East and took up meditation practice, and it's been with me ever since. And because I took it seriously, I took the lessons I learned seriously. I tried out the practices in my own life. They were transformative. My life change for the better. And so I learned right early on that this, okay, this is now part of my life and, and I'll keep it that way. I, I actually love your history um, because, you know, just for the listening audience, so they know a little more about you and, and why it is that you've grown to be so wise, right? Because you've gone through life. I keep and, learning. Yeah. And you come from Brooklyn which ah. seems like <laughs> that, that that'll make you wise that makes you wise in yourself uh, <laughs> yeah i'm giving away your secrets i'm sorry about that but um I well think when i was growing up brooklyn wasn't the hipster enclave it now <laughs> is but it was a melting pot of ethnic and religious and racial groups uh, in, you have different immigrant groups, and that seriously was a, 
a, a great education as a child. You also um, were doing this meditation and this spiritual uh, journey, I would say, during a, a lot of, and you alluded to it, but I kind of wanted to bring this point out because I've actually talked to other people about it, right? You know, because you're part of the boomer generation. And there's all this stuff going on in the 60s and the 70s. There is, um, um, you know, there's, there's protests, there's Woodstock, there's uh, hippies, there's, we're going to do it different, right? Yeah. And, and a lot of people, and, and, and uh, you know, moving forward for freedoms and, and, and there's an expansion of consciousness with that. Um, do you see, and, and you may or may not be able to answer this question, but it's, it kind of has been on my mind for a while. When you look out at the current situation, um, do you feel like we are moving forward or backward or is this the true revisiting it? Like, like, did we really mean those things? Like, what is it that we're headed toward? There's a lot in what I just said. I know. Uh, and and I, uh, I see a lot of echoes from the late 60s, early 70s, and what's going on now. I see the last four years as a kind of, um, the, the same kind of backlash that the progressive and evolutionary uh, young people of my era, uh, we created um, a lot of, uh, we, we drew a lot of attention uh, to the world. We wanted to change the world for the better. We wanted to end the Vietnam War. We wanted uh, equal rights for, for African-American citizens. And on and on, and the, 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 the feminist movement started, the ecology movement started, and there was this great spiritual awakening when we discovered, you know, uh, mystic, mystical practices of the East and things like meditation and yoga and, and gurus were coming, and, and it was a, a, a great awakening time. Um, and I see that happening in, in young people now, and it's a beautiful thing to see. But it also creates a backlash, and we dealt with that backlash. There was, there was, it was a violent backlash in many instances, and you know the election of Richard Nixon in 1968 was a kind of reaction to that, and I see the same thing manifest now in our political world, and so uh, there's always, you know, when I've written a lot of. History of, of the, the sort of spiritual history of America, uh, especially around how America has taken to the the uh, teachings that came from the East. Mm -hmm. That's what American Veda was about, and mm -hmm. the life of Yogananda. And and I I keep seeing over and over again that that there's two kinds of Americans, and one is this open-minded, pragmatic. Uh, free-spirited individual who embraces things that are new and loves diversity and always wants to learn new things. And if something works, they'll try it out. And they love uh, the, the, the variety of human beings and, and uh, welcomes newcomers and immigrants and all that and wants fairness. And then there's the the other American who is very xenophobic and very closed and very uh, threatened by things that are new, things that are different, 
things that uh, upset the apple cart. And, um, but the new and the progressive always seems to, you know, in the end, move things forward. Mm -hmm. and, and if you have a historical frame, you know, things do move in, in a progressive and, you know, uh, in the direction of freedom and openness and justice and uh, evolution of, of the spirit. But it takes work too. It, it's yeah. not just, it's not automatic. It, it depends on what we do. And, and right now, I, you know, we need uh, all those people who are, who have a rich inner life, who work on themselves, who are spiritual, who are grounded in the, in the uh, truth and um, uh, peace and love of the inner life we need those people to be active in the world and make the world a better place and not just uh, be content with their own uh, uh, spiritual lives. And, you know, what is that? Uh, don't hide your gifts under a bushel or whatever it is. You know, we need you bring out the, and we need you to vote. <laughs> and get other Thank you for that. Yes, we do. <laughs> um, I agree with you. I think there's sort of a calling, uh, call it whatever you want, um, maybe maybe a, a calling for us to step forward with uh, and and beginning with the inner inner sanctuary. I love your your sanctuary of peace idea. That's so beautiful. Uh, but to visit there and to be there and from that place to to generate or radiate be radiant you know go move outward from there because change has to come from the center outward right if the center yeah. is is rigid and inflexible it, things things trying to come in are just going to bounce off of it you know that's that's the idea i get yeah yeah and i i make the point in the book i mean there's nine chapters in my book and eight of them are you know very practical about you know finding the inner sanctuary wherever you are in different circumstances, different methods, all this. Uh, and then I have a section on spiritual citizenship, essentially. And, and But here's an important point. Um, that inner sanctuary of peace is also a fortress of strength. And so when you come out into the world and you're active in the world, you, you can bring some of that inner peace and strength with you but and you're also coming more likely to act from compassion and kindness and love and be more effective in what you do, bring to the world and it's terribly needed now because you know there are so many forces of uh, violence and uh, cruelty uh, it needs to be countered by acts of kindness and and love and but effectiveness strong actions uh, that you know, combat in the best ways um, those destructive forces. I think is terribly important, and it boomerangs. It's not sacrificial. It doesn't. Sac you're not sacrificing your own spiritual development by being engaged in the world and being of service in the world. Being of service serves you too. It gets you out of your ego. There's nothing. That's why every spiritual tradition has an element of a, a calling 
its constituents to do acts of charity and acts of service. It's not just because it makes the world a better place. It's also better for us to, to contribute. We'll feel better having contributed, even if it's just like, you know, whatever it is, you know, helping uh, an older person who, you know, needs help shopping or something because of COVID, um, calling a loved one who may be lonely, the, any little thing we can do, not to mention, you know, political engagement and work helping people in a hospital, whatever you're called to do, we need that right now. We need people of big with big hearts and open minds to step out as best they can safely, of course, and, and contribute. I just sent a bunch of letters to registered voters urging them to vote through one of the organizations doing that. So I sat at home and I did that and I brought them to the post office, but at least I felt I was doing something and it felt really good. I, I just love that, a fortress of strength. Yeah, we're gonna take a station break, Mr. Benny. My guest today is Philip Goldberg, his book, Spiritual Practice for Crazy Times, couldn't be more appropriate. I think you just need to order it like right now, just get it right now. Just Then you'll have little tabbies in it too. And this is Loretta Brown, I'm the owner of Rake Your Oasis. We're gonna take a break and when uh, we get back, we're gonna talk more about spiritual practice, some uh, tools for that, and, and, and what can we do in our crazy world. All right, we'll be right back. Did you know that Reiki healing can be done at a distance? It's true. So let Reiki Oasis focus powerful energy to help relieve your stress, grief, sadness, anger, and so much more. Convenient, personalized treatments at a distance can increase lightness of being. During your appointment, find a quiet place to lie down or sit to receive healing energies. If you want help with your dis-ease, visit ReikiOasis.com. Harness life's energy. Visit ReikiOasis.com today. Hi, I'm Dr. Shelley Place with today's tip for kids from the American Academy of Pediatrics. Kids are full of energy, but keeping them active in their teen years can be a challenge. Aim for an hour of physical activity every day. If they like sports, that's a great place to start. Keep the focus on fun, not winning, and encourage your child to do a variety of activities. If your child isn't meeting that 60-minute goal, gradually increase their activity in ways they enjoy. For more, talk with your pediatrician or visit HealthyChildren.org. Have something important to say? Want to help improve our world? Need to promote your business uniquely and effectively? KKNW is the answer. Our staff helps broadcasters and podcasters create professional sounding audio. Bring your talent and let our experts help you craft a radio show or podcast that best delivers your message. Learn more at 1150kknw.com. That's 1150kknw.com. KKNW, talk variety that's live and local. Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day. Welcome back to the original Loretta Brown Show. I am... The original Loretta Brown. Well, there's a whole lot of Loretta Browns, but, you know, it's me. My guest today, Philip Goldberg, author of Spiritual Practice for Crazy Times. And we're having such a wonderful discussion about spirituality and meditation and current current events, the, the world stage. Um, Phil, I want to talk a little bit about anger. 
Mm. Because um, so many people, you know, when I look out across the world and even with the people that I work with, you know, over the last, <laughs> I guess it's eight months now, um, I'm trying to remember since March, however long ago that was, um, you know, we've all gotten things activated within us. And there's so much division, like I never actually in my life have seen such a division between people. Yeah. And a, a lot of it, I think, is based in fear. A lot of it is based in anger. And I had a woman the other day, and she said to me, Loretta, I feel like I'm righteously angry, right? Like, and she says, I look out and I get angry at how terrible people are treating each other. And so my question for you, Phil, is can, what do we do with anger? Can, can that be channeled into a spiritual practice? Can it be a force for good? What, what do we do with it? Yeah, you know, this is a terribly important question. I, I, as we talked earlier, I've been meditating every day more than 50 years now. I, um, when I started my spiritual path back in the day, there was a verse from the Bhagavad Gita that uh, spoke to me and I said, that's what I want. And it said that the yogis have equanimity in loss and gain, defeat and victory, pain and pleasure. And I said, that's what I want. I want that inner peace, no matter what's going on. Well, it wasn't, it, <laughs> it wasn't, didn't come miraculously. And, but, you know, it, I found there was more of it. I would still lose it. And here it is all these years later, just ask my wife, I can still, you know, get upset and everything. But spiritual practice uh, increases your odds of retaining some inner stability and peace in the midst of it and recovering quickly. And that's a critical thing. So things make me angry. The news makes me angry. I won't go into specifics, but they, they do. And, and it's, I, I, I meet a lot of spiritual people who think it's wrong that the anger is wrong. It's bad for them. And they'll, they'll play these mental games to not feel it. And it, it, it amounts to suppression or, or they'll ignore the world. So that doesn't get them upset. And then that makes them ineffective citizens of the world and ill-informed. So how do you stay informed? How do you stay engaged and yet, you know, have some level of, uh, the equanimity inside. What do you do with the anger that comes up? And I've come to realize that anger is not such a bad thing. It's not non-spiritual. Gandhi was angry. Martin Luther King was angry. Nelson Mandela was angry. And I'll bet there were times when Buddha and Jesus were angry because Thich Nhat Hanh got angry at you know, things in the world. If you're not angry when there's injustice and people are suffering unnecessarily, then you're, there's something missing. But there's a difference between being out of control, crazy, angry, and poisoning your system with toxins and having righteous indignation. You know, and, and, and so in, in the book, I, I talk about converting 
feelings uh, and, and uh, physiological upheavals that can lead us not only, uh, you know, destroy our own well-being, but precipitate bad decisions and saying things we regret, doing things that we regret. You know, think of road rage. Somebody cuts you off, all this, you, you know, you get angry. Well, if you're not in control of that feeling, you can have a car accident, right? You can scream at the person in the passenger seat and start an argument and, you know, make things worse. So if we can convert uh, an eruption of anger and rage, if we can find the stability in that moment, and I have techniques for this, for interventions in the moment, for grounding ourselves, for pausing, for getting in touch quickly and immediately with our own inner peace. If we can do that even quickly the, and let it dissipate so we think clearly and we're more in control of our minds and bodies and, and have some stability inside, we can then convert justifiable anger into a constructive way of looking at things and saying, instead of I'm enraged and having a temper tantrum or fit and screaming at the television or your child or whatever, um, instead of lashing out, say, this is a, this is a situation, this is wrong. I, what can I do about it? How can I make things better? And if I, if I can't, because I can't control world events, how can I make things better for the people around me in this circumstance? What can I do? Whatever it is, at least you're coming from a place of good intentions and righteous opposition to, you know, whatever is making you angry, as opposed to just rage, which usually leads to just more difficulties. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you said a lot in that. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of uh, pull it out a little bit and, and ask you another question. I heard you say in there that number one, I, I think one of the things is to recognize that it, you you can allow yourself to feel the anger. Right? Yeah. You can, it's all right. And you don't need to stuff it or, or um, think you're a bad person or you're out of alignment with who you know yourself to be or something, right? But, you know, the first thing is, I think, going, oh, my goodness, I am really angry. This is really making me angry. And then there's this recognition in what you just said, which I love. Um, you know, we, we just have that, that little tiny moment where <laughs> the road rage, cause we have road rage like crazy in Seattle, right? It's our big, it's our big event. Yeah. Um, but, um, and maybe you do it in, in LA too, but. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People are recognizing it, but it's like, now that I know that I'm angry, I have a choice. I have maybe a split second. 
Um, am I going to take it out on the people around me? Am I going to let it take over me? Um, and and you're right. I mean, anger just begets more anger, right? You know, violence just begets more violence, right? Um, so then my question becomes, do you have like a, a quick little tool or technique, mm. a little piece of advice you could give people? Because yeah. right in that moment, what can they do? The key is to be aware and remember it. And, and that's where regular spiritual practice comes in. Just, you know, because if you, if you have a regular spiritual practice, then whatever goes on in the world, you're more likely to, to, to be self-aware and to say, oh, because when we're out of control, we don't even know we're out of control. We're just consumed by it. But if we have that recognition, oh my God, I'm really angry. There are studies about this, it's fascinating. There's apparently a 90 second interval where if you can just pause and feel it, just feel the emotions, the anger, whatever it happens to be, without acting on it, just feeling it, it, it starts to dissipate. And it usually within 90 seconds will run its course physiologically will run its course, at which point you're much more equipped to exert clarity and take charge and make proper decisions and do what you have to do, do what's necessary from a, a calmer place. So the first thing is to be aware of it and just feel it. Just let it run its course. And you can aid that practice with uh, certain things. Like if you're, you're feeling something, one of the things you can do is ground yourself in the present moment with your senses. Just touch something, feel something with your hands, squeeze it, clutch what, you know, if you're in the street, you know, clutch what's in your pocket, your keys, whatever. I know people who carry an amulet or prayer beads mm -hmm. and, and they'll hold it and their attention mm -hmm. will go to it. And it, especially if it reminds them of something sacred or precious, it'll ground them in the moment. And that's very quick. You can do that. You could do it on your steering wheel if, it, if you're in the car. Just putting your attention on the physical, since something physical helps to dissipate that. And the other thing, of course, is the breath. You know, the old cliche, take a deep breath. Well, <laughs> yes, it works. And then I also, I have ways of augmenting the usual deep breath in the book ways to, you know, just all right, I'll say it right now, if, you, if you, we have time, but if you breathe, if you take a full deep breath, and, and extend your belly, extend your abdomen, what the yogis call belly breath, instead of just breathing in through the chest, you'll get a fuller, deeper breath, and more of the uh, oxygen will come into the lungs. And then when you exhale, exhale further, extend the exhale, get it, all that carbon dioxide out. If, if you extend by about 50% the normal exhale, 
And then if you can, exhale fully, completely until you have to take a breath. You'll find it's calming. It's much more calming than just an ordinary breath. And so, and there's other forms of uh, breathing exercises that I have in the book, but just those little things, if we remember to do them, then the moment of, of, of rage uh, or, or whatever the upsetting emotion is will pass very quickly. And you'll find you're, you're then in a, a, you know, on a more a stable platform to do what you have to do. Thank you. That was excellent. And um, I love this idea too. I was thinking about this while you're talking that, you know, the key to all this is <laughs> practice. That's why yeah. they call it a spiritual practice. And, and there's a certain amount of, you know, if you can quiet your mind, if you can meditate, if you can, and it, and it doesn't have to be like a, a, a fashionable meditation, if I can put it that way, but to begin to work with that it, that inner world of yourself to be able to uh, work in the outer world. Um, it, it brings me to this question, what is a spiritual two-step? And <laughs> are you alluding to that? We already did, yes. I, when we talked before about, you know, citizenship and being engaged in the world, um, the spiritual two-step is, 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 is a, what I guess it, term I gave uh, to, a, a you know, an eternal principle that goes way back into, you know, the literature of all the great spiritual traditions. First, go within. You know, as Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven within. And the Bhagavad Gita says, establish in yoga, establish yourself in that inner awareness of unity that that is the definition of yoga, and then perform action. So it's going within and, and uh, bringing out the, the, the hidden inner treasures of peace and love and calmness and compassion that we have within us in that sanctuary uh, that is our essence, and then come back out into the world and bring those gifts outward into whatever you do, your family life, your professional life, your your life as a, 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 in the, in your neighborhood, in your community, uh, in your uh, as a citizen, whatever it is, going within and then coming out is a pattern of life that is indispensable, I think, to to living a, a fuller, richer spiritual life and uh, a more successful and uh, fulfilled life in the outer world. I, um, I'm thinking when you're talking about, you know, the reflection quality, the law of reflection, you know, as, as within, so without, as above, so below. Mm. And a lot of people share with me that they feel, oh, you know, they're working their job and and their heart wants to, you know, they always say, we want to do what you do, Loretta. I'm like, no, you don't want to do what I do. <laughs> you, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> believe me. <laughs> Everybody envies everybody else. You know, like you're, you're, li you know, you're living your life path. And I go, but you need to find your life path. And this, this balancing between 
um, what I call the mundane world and the spiritual world. What what does it what does it take to be spiritual in today's world? And 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 what advice can you give people that are perhaps just thinking, listening, going, wow, maybe I could do some meditation, or maybe I could get back into it, or maybe I should read Phil's books and find well, some yes, tools. there is that. Yeah. And the answer to a lot of those questions, you know, I put in the book, you know, my answer to it. We already are spiritual. Anybody asking the question, how can I, you know, be more spiritual? How can I improve my spiritual life is already doing it just by asking the question. It, it, it shows uh, you understand that to be a priority. You understand that to be an important feature of life. Not everybody does. Most people are out there caught up in the outer world thinking, you know, by doing this and doing that and having that and having this, they'll be happier. I mean, this is the eternal teaching of all the spiritual traditions. It's not out there. It's within us. That's where the, the treasures are. That's where the uh, unchanging, you know, stability and peace is and the, the, the essential qualities that we want in our lives. But we are also engaged in the world. So if we have deep, effective spiritual practices of the kind I try to uh, convey in, in my book, we, we will be more likely to bring those qualities out into our jobs, our family life, whatever it is, and, and this is an important one, because like you, I get people asking for advice about, you know, circumstances of their lives. By having a deep inner life, by having a, a effective meditative practices, you're more likely to be in tune with your own best, your, what you need and what's going to work for you. You'll make better decisions. You'll have more insight. Your intuition will be activated. Um, and, and that's, a, you know, to me, a very important, um, almost a secondary benefit of spiritual life. Your, your outer life will start to seem a little different for you and you may be more attuned to making the right decisions for yourself, whether it's about relationships or your work or, you know, whatever it, it might be. Being attuned to that sort of um, GPS within us that I, I call an SPS, spiritual positioning system, um, will, will be activated. And, you know, when I, you, you have a deep meditation, you meditate for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it is, uh, your mind is clear, you come out, you, the, the thoughts that arise, the feelings that arise are more likely to be uh, in tune with what's right for you. In tune. I like that. In tune. You said something earlier, you said the word aware. And I was thinking when you were talking about awareness, and there is something about that coming into the center and like you said getting more in tune with yourself that when you come back out i i think it 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 leads you to knowing your place in the world yeah yeah 
You know, um, the term in Sanskrit uh, is dharma. And, and dharma is an interesting term. There's no English equivalent, but it's, it's, it's often translated as it's your duty. And that's just one thing. But it's, 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 it's that which upholds the, the, the goodness and purity and um, sanctity of the world. And so doing, being in tune with your inner nature uh, sort of makes it easy for you to discern what is your dharma, what, is, what are you being called to do, what is right for you, what is right for you and your, your, your family, your, what, is, what should I do that's best for the people I love. You're, you become more in tune with that uh, because your, your essential self is being um, brought to the fore instead of you know the the illusory stuff we get caught up in. Yeah, so we're down to about thirty seconds. This is Loretta Brown, my guest today, Philip Goldberg, his new book, Spiritual Practice for Crazy Times. He's written a whole bunch of other great books. Uh, Philip, where do they find you very quickly? PhilipGoldberg.com is the easiest and fastest um i'm online go to my uh, listen to my podcast it's free there's a couple of hundred interviews with brilliant wise spiritual leaders and uh this if you want to get in touch and i welcome you to if you want to be on my mailing list you can do all that through uh, my website on philipgoldberg.com there's links to the booksellers there's videos there's uh, whatever I remember to uh, put on there. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming and blessing my show and all my listeners. And to Thank everybody you. out there, uh, be good. Be careful. It's Scorpio season. Love to you all. <laughs> be kind.